Well, hey guys, Eric Nevins here and welcome to Halfway There. I just wanted to hop on here before the show gets started today and say Merry Christmas. This episode comes out on Christmas Day, normally on a Monday holiday. I just go ahead and take the week off and give you, you know, just a short episode or something like that. But today, because this story is so much about the gift of grace that God has given us, I thought it was just appropriate to share it on Christmas. And I hope that you'll enjoy it. I hope that you get a chance to listen to it today uh, or later in the week, share it with some friends or family, and uh, just be amazed at what God does and how much He loves you and me and how much He wants us to be free from all those things that entangle us. I I think you're going to get that impression today, and uh, it's just a really great story. So, I wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this show, for downloading it and sharing it. It means a lot to me, and it's been a real labor of love. Um, and so many of you have done that this year. And uh, so this this episode is kind of my gift to you, and uh, I hope that you enjoy it, and I hope that you share it. Thanks a lot. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Welcome to Halfway There. I'm Eric Nevins, and this is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. Today's episode is going to be a special one. I'm excited to talk uh, with my guest because I've heard her story in church and um, just a little bit more that she shared with me, and it's powerful what God's done in her life. She's excited to talk about, and uh, when I asked her, what, uh, what what are we promoting? She said, just the redeeming power of Christ. I can't wait to hear more about that. This is going to be a powerful story, guys. Uh, with me today is Rhonda Nelson. Hi, Rhonda. Hi. I'm so glad that you're on Halfway There. Welcome. Um, Thank you. Let's go ahead and why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are and where God has you now, and then we'll go back and we'll hear your story. Okay. Um I'm Rhonda Nelson. I'm 50 years old. Um, I have four children. Um, one that is already home with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I have a 30-year-old with three three grandchildren. And at home, I have a 13-year-old son and an 8-year-old son. And I'm a single mom. And, um, and you know, <laughs> that's about my life. I just work and take care of kids. I'm yeah. a, as ordinary of a Christian as you will find. <laughs> That's perfect. I love that. What What do you do? I don't even know what you do for work. Um, I'm in senior home care. Okay, great. I just was curious. I didn't know. Um, well, yeah. yeah, thanks for that. Um, definitely. You're also a great singer. You sing on our worship team, and I've, I've heard you sing many times there. Um, how'd you get into singing? Um. I was always uh, musical. I took piano lessons as a child, and um, music, you know, goes far back in my DNA. And um, always just loved that. But when I was 13 years old, my mom took me to see a Broadway performance of Annie, and I was just uh-huh. blown out of the water. <laughs> and from that point, I just started to sing. And I don't know <laughs> yeah. where it came from, but it just it developed through my high school years and um it just kind of became my identity of who I was through high school. Just always being, you know, involved in the music really heavily. Yeah. You ended up being in a band, is that right? 
I did after I graduated from high school. I I didn't know. Um, my mom was living out of state. I was living with my dad. My dad wasn't really around much. I was kind of on my own, and I didn't really know how to apply to a college or how you do that kind of stuff. So I just kind of decided I wanted to join a rock band, and I abandoned my opera lessons <laughs> I had for the last four years and went and sang some rock and roll. <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh, uh, that yeah, that's cool. Um, okay, so how did you? I know we're going to get into some of your later experiences of, of when you had some powerful experiences with Christ, but how did you originally find Christ? I was raised um, by a Christian mom. She was a single mom. My mom was all divorced when I was six, and she raised me, but we went to Lutheran Church every Sunday, never missed, and my mom sacrificed greatly to put my brother and I into Christian school, so we went to Lutheran schools all the way through, and uh, so I always knew the story. I always knew about God. Um, I always believed, um, but it was not until I had my first child and I was holding her that you realized, I, I realized, you know, the kind of love that God has mm. for me. What was that feeling like? Can you describe that? It was overwhelming. I just sat and bawled. I was in the rocking chair holding her. <laughs> yeah. And and the the gratitude that I felt was it was just immense, you know, for the for the first time, just to really understand, you know, <laughs> the the depth of love, the depth of love that I have for my child is is it's just beyond yeah. <laughs> anything I'd ever known, you know, and to think that God has that for me. Yeah. I remember thinking with our every one of our kids, but especially the first one, you're just you're just kinda overwhelmed with this little thing, right? <laughs> And right. uh, how adorable and how much you love them. They can't do anything for you. You, you just are going to do everything for them. And uh, yeah, that's a powerful moment. You kind of had that moment. Did you, what did you do? Like as far as uh, some of your early discipleship or who were some of your influences and pe people that kind of taught you about God and the Lord? Yeah. Well, what happened was um, I was in that rock band and the bass player and I kind of got a relationship going and, we had that child um, before we were married, and um, through the process of having her and then deciding she needed to be baptized, you know, back in the Lutherans, we did the infant baptism, uh -huh. and so um, we started going to church, and uh, there was a really dynamic pastor there that, you know, preached these great sermons that I'd never heard anything like that coming from my the background I came from, and... Uh, we just started getting involved and started, you know, joining some Bible studies and just some great people around us, you know, with friendships. And we just started growing, growing in the Lord, you know. Mm -hmm. You ended up in worship music, is that right? Right. Um, when we had the child, um, my husband still remained in the rock band. I I bowed out and just um, became mom while he, he worked and went through school and we lived with parents for a while, you know, while we got him through school and did did that whole thing. And um, in that same time, um, we started volunteering at church um, on worship team. There, it was a small church, and they needed musicians, and so we thought we could help, and um, that's how we got involved in it. And after a few years, the worship leader, director um, at that church, they were going to move on, 
And um, my husband, Todd, was asked to step into that role. And so he he did that part-time, and it became something that we did um, for a long time. And, and the church eventually folded, um, and we moved on from there to um, um, a couple other situations. But ultimately, um, we landed um, at this church in Highlands Ranch, and... And after volunteering on the worship team there for a while, um, he was asked to take that position full time. What was that experience like? It was, it was, it, it just felt like that was like what we were cut out to do. What we ultimately, you know, it's where our relationships, you know, from the beginning in the band and and then growing through the church, and um, it just felt like a really good fit. We we did it together. We did it every week. Um, we were doing four services a week, Saturday night and three on Sunday. Um, you know, there was practices involved. I was on the team that helped plan the services but, and come up with creative ideas, you know, to get the message across. And um, it, it was just our life. We just lived that. And um, we both enjoyed it a lot, I think. And Yeah. Yeah, we just. <laughs> so it sounds like you were kind of, you found your niche and you were where you belong. Exactly. Did you say that? Okay. Cool. Um, so I want to ask you, so I always ask this question about a wall experience when God felt far away or distant. And I know that you have a pretty significant experience. Um, yeah. And so we're going to talk about that. I want to know, before we go into that, is there anything else that that we need to know to kind of set the stage for that experience. I don't think there was anything that set the stage for that experience. It hit me. It just came out of the blue. It just hmm. was unexpected and came out of the blue. Right. Yeah. So, okay. You're, you're at this. So why don't you go ahead and just share that story with us and then uh, we'll, okay. we'll take it from there. So we're in this time. We're really involved in church. We're, you know, working hard at it and, um, enjoying it, enjoying our friends there, enjoying being in Bible studies, and just it was thriving at this church, just really feeling in a good place. And when I look back on this, I wonder sometimes um, how this happened. Um, and I understand now that you, you break faith somewhere, you know, mm. it, it doesn't just happen. And when I think back on how I broke faith, um, I think that sometimes being in a position like that, when you're you're in a very public light, um, you know, you're getting a lot of kudos and compliments on, you know, what you're doing. You you just start to feel, I, I think your ego just gets a little big, you know, and um, I think that's what probably happened with me, coupled with just the time in my life, midlife crisis. I don't know. I was four years old when this happened. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. So you said when, when this happened, go ahead and take us into like, what, what happened? Okay. So this is in 2007. Um, we're motoring along there. Just great. Ha you know, happy, happy marriage, happy family, happy church, happy, everything was going good. And, um, and on October 5th of 2007, uh, there was a message on my phone when I got home, back when we had message machines. <laughs> right. And I, I pushed that, and it was an old boyfriend from high school. Um, his name was Brian, and he I had dated him from the time I was 15 to 19. So I'd spent a lot of time 
there and it was some very sweet memories. Um, at the time, uh, we broke up because he was beginning to, uh, he was beginning to experiment with drugs and things that I just, it just wasn't the path I wanted to go. Even so, though, wait, anyway, you, that, even that though, ended, but, it, huh? Sorry, even though you were in a rock band, you didn't want to experiment with drugs? No, I experimented <laughs> with the alcohol. But, oh, gotcha, okay. But I never got into the drugs, so gotcha. thankfully. But um, anyway, I got this message on the phone, and it, and it was him, and he just said, hey, I'm looking for a classmate. of uh, wondering if you could give me a call and help me. And so I thought, oh, well, maybe I know. I don't know. So I gave him a call back, and um, I said, oh, well, who is it that you're looking for? And he said, well, you. And I said, oh. <laughs> you know, he, he, he told me that there hadn't been a day gone by in the last 25 years that he hadn't thought of me. And, and this is at the at the place where I was, like I said, you know, I think I'd already, I, was, I wasn't as close with God as I should be. I was a little bit um, just, you know, like I'd said, they, I think your ego gets big. And I'm also in this place where m- my home life was, I had a small child and I had grown children. So I'd been doing this a long time. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I was feeling a little bit like, does it ever change, you know, or desiring some kind of change. And so anyway, um, I told him that I was happily married. I had three kids and that, you know, I'm very involved in church and all of that. And he said, Oh, that's really rare. You know, not many people make it that long. We've been married 19 years. And, um, I, I, I hung up with him. That was, that was that. But at the end of the conversation, he told me if anything ever changes, please call me and I, I will be here for you. And I was just like, wow. As I thought about this over the next few days, I thought, wow, that's really, you know, this is, this is where Satan gets in and he starts to mm-hmm. whisper <laughs> to you and you don't realize it, you know, you just start to, you start to feel these things. And, and I just, I wasn't strong enough in my faith to recognize what was happening or to battle it. And so I, I Can called you- him back in three days and, you know, I, I, I wanted to hear more of why I was so wonderful that he had thought of me every day for the last 25 years. That was, you know, that was good for my ego. Uh, I thought, wow, you know, who, who is special enough to someone for them to, to think about you that long. And so I called back and started a phone relationship over the next few weeks. And, uh, yeah, eventually, Rhonda, oh, go ahead. Well, before you go on, I want to ask you a question before we get too far away from it. You said you felt like your faith maybe wasn't what it needed to be. Right. And I'm curious about that because I, I think there's something here. But can you just describe, like, where, how would you describe it now where, where you were? I mean, I know you said you were kind of. I was, I, I think I was relying more on myself and my powers and my mm-hmm. abilities. And I was not just fully trusting and relying on God. I knew God. I knew God loved me. I loved God, but I wasn't, um, I just wasn't making that safe choice every day, yeah. you know? Um, well, and really, well, the thing that stands out to me is you guys were involved in church. Like you were, you yep. were heavily involved. You were there. And there's a way that sometimes that can get mistaken 
for spiritual maturity. Do, exactly. Doing things all the time. Um, exactly. Being there every time the doors are open or at every event or whatever it is. And uh, I was curious about if you felt like maybe that's what happened. Sounds like, sounds like maybe you did. I think, I think that's exactly what happened. Yeah. yeah. It's easy to assume, Hey, I'm there. I'm working. So, right. Yeah. Okay. That's what I kind of wanted to know about. Like if that, if that was the experience that you, you would have. Okay. So you exactly called your old boyfriend. Pointed it there. That's awesome. So you called your boyfriend back. You started talking to him and then uh-huh. your old boyfriend. Uh, and then yep. what happened? And just started texting and talking and just started a, a relationship back up. And, um, it was never my intention to leave my marriage. It was, um, I would just think I was getting, you know, the strokes that I wanted right there. I was getting, I was getting attention. I was, it was making me feel, you know, the way I felt, you know, back in high school when it was new. And it, it <laughs> again, the maturity thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, so I just kind of continued with that um, for about the next month. Until I finally um, went and met with him face to face. The relationship kept escalating because it felt good. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, this is not good. Uh, No. How are you feeling at this point? Um, I'm feeling like a hypocrite at church. Um, I'm singing. I were on praise team, and I'm standing next to other people. praising God and I'm not thinking about God at all. You know, mm. I, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, thinking about him, thinking about how I don't belong here right now. I, this is, <laughs> I felt like a complete hypocrite. Like how did that resolve? What, what happened there? Okay. Well, at the, at the same time that this was going on, uh, I'd started a friendship um, with a gal on the worship team. She was a single mom and, um, you know, she got out and did things more often than I did. And she invited me out one night and I hadn't been out, you know, I'd, I'd been home every night with my family for as long as I could remember, but she invited me out and my husband encouraged me to go, thought it'd be good for me. <laughs> so I went and she, uh, we went um, to a bar and sang some karaoke, which I'd never done before, which I thought was kind of fun. And um, I'd had, I had alcohol that night, which I hadn't had alcohol in years and years. And um, my tongue was loosened <laughs> and she, she looked at me and asked me point blank if my husband was the love, love of my life. And I just answered no. And it was such a quick response <laughs> that, um, she's like, Oh, really? Tell me what's going on. And I, I, you know, spilled the story to her. So, um, and then it kind of came up that, um, you know, she was in a relationship too. And it, it with the love of her life and, a she said, do you know who it is? And at that moment, I hadn't really known it before, but pieces uh, that I'd seen before kind of clicked in my mind. And I realized that um, I, I said, I said, is it uh, my husband's partner? My husband had a partner in the ministry that did the um, drama and the video and they were partners. And I knew that he was having trouble in his relationship with his wife. And I asked if it was him and she said it was. So here we here we were, two people in the church, both having affairs. <laughs> well, she was single, he was having an the affair, but they were having an affair. And 
Um, and here we have the goods on each other now. And it, it, um, another gal was with us that night who was also on the worship team and she also spilled. It was a perfect storm. It was like, um, (laughs) Satan had been busy (laughs) in, in our worship team and, and it, it all spilled and it, it, it came out and we all were in the same situation. So we were feeling the same kind of emotions. Like, you know, like this is, don't, you know, it kind of came out like, don't you deserve to be happy? And, you know, so what happened was, um, we all knew this about each other. This went on for probably about six weeks, um, since the time we found this out and we would go out all together to a bar or whatever, just to kind of give us an out or an escape, you know, an excuse of who we're with these and I'm going out with the girls and all that. And it wasn't really questioned, you know, and then, um, and then we would go our separate ways. It wasn't like we hung out all night or whatever, but, um, it just, (laughs) when I look back on it, I cannot believe that this happened (laughs) because, you know, the way Satan works, it, it, it just makes it seem normal. Like, you know, (laughs) Oh, that's I mean, I knew I was sinning, but it just doesn't feel as bad when you're in it as, as it is. Yeah. <laughs> and you, the fact that three of us on the same team, I mean, my gosh. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> how egregious does it get? It just occurs to me, you know, how important community is, right? So right. if you had had someone on your community in your community say, Hey, Rhonda, hello, this is not good. And Exactly. What, what are you going to do to change this or to fix, you know, to just. Right. Gotta, it could have had a very different outcome. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So what happened after that was um, on December 19th, 2007, my husband's partner um, just couldn't take the pressure and the guilt of it anymore. And he confessed the whole thing before the elders. And it was all blown apart, you know, I had just come out of a music rehearsal for the Christmas, um, the the Christmas, you know, service. And, um, and, uh, I went home and my husband and I were 10 o'clock at night sitting on the couch, um, getting ready to watch the news and, um, his, his phone rang and it was the pastor of the church and I could hear him. And he said, would you please hand the phone to Rhonda? And I took the phone like, what on earth could this be? And he said, um, we just had a conversation with Hans and I'm parked in front of your house and you need to come out and we need to talk. And that was the last thing I was going to do. Yeah. I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> it felt very controlling to me at that time with what I was doing. It felt... um it, it, I just felt like, well, who are you to tell me that I need to come talk to you? <laughs> you know, and I, so I said, I need to talk to my husband. And I had to spill this very quickly because within minutes, the pastor was knocking on our door, not giving me any time at all to, to uh, explain any of this to him. I just had to throw it in his face and I, I pretty much ran. Um, 
I, I told the, the pastor he, he needed to leave. He wouldn't leave. I said, leave or I'll call the police. Leave or I'll call the police. And I just kept saying that till he left. And he went down the street. And then I took off and went and joined my boyfriend that night. And uh, I didn't get any sleep that night. And I came back in the morning to talk to my husband, you know. And um, the next night, um, they felt like they needed to let the whole worship arts ministry know what had happened. And so um, they all received an email. It was a large team of people. It was a lot of people. And um, they all received this email that spelled out that I was in darkness and what I had done and what's been going on. And, um, it, and it was just so completely humiliating Yeah. and the shame and the guilt that I felt was just, I'm like, how did I let it get to this? You know, why did I not nip this in the bud? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, well, um, I hear, I hear in you, you were already feeling ashamed and then mm-hmm. you, uh, had to this confrontation and that heaped on more shame. And then there was the larger community shame. Kind right. Of, and then the, the following Sunday, there was a letter that was passed out at church to the entire, you know, everyone that was in every service. My mom received one. Wow. <laughs> and did she know? And uh, not until after. Oh, wow. No, it was a surprise to her as well. But she, if she went and spoke to the elders on my behalf, she felt like the, the publicity of it was a little much. <laughs> yeah. And, and I certainly did too at the time. Um, I don't know how I feel about that at this point. I understand it better now um, because, because it was just so egregious. It just really was, <laughs> you know, the betrayal and the, the, um, collusion <laughs> well right and I, I can see from your that pers- went on your perspective you were these are people you trusted and were friends and and who trusted me you know right yeah so um but yeah after the letter came out it, i just felt like i could not you know i couldn't face it i couldn't go back there i couldn't how could i repair my marriage and walk back into that church with all, everyone here knowing you know yeah how could i do that and i did I I chose the easy way out and I ran. Yeah, I I can totally relate to that. I would do that too. I think. <laughs> what? So you? What did your? Where did your running take you? Um, I felt like okay, so this is where I am. I made my bed and I got to lie in it. So I got to go to the relationship with this boyfriend and, um. I just thought maybe we could just plug him in, you know, where my husband had been and things could just move along just as they were. But, um, he was not the same person that I knew in high school. <laughs> and, um, I entered into a brutally difficult relationship. <laughs> mm. Um, it was just, he, he is not a Christian. He's a, pretty narcissistic fellow <laughs> and he had a hidden drug problem that I was um I didn't catch on for a long time long time <laughs> yeah so he was still wrestling with that 
Yes. And I didn't, I didn't realize that. And it's funny how, you know, as you, as I, my eyes started to get opened more as to who he was and what he was doing, how, um, I would excuse it, you know, like I'm here now. So I guess I just have to accept this now. You know, I, at first I thought he was just going to be the perfect, you know, it was going to just be peaches and cream the whole way. But, um, but, you know, a few months in, I found out, oh, he has a daughter that he didn't tell me about. Oh, because he had, he was, uh, had another marriage that he didn't tell me about. And, you know, we were supposed to be getting married, but, oh, if I find out a little ways down the line that, oh, he didn't get a divorce from his last <laughs> oh, wow. wife. They're, they're still married after 12 years. I haven't seen each other. <laughs> and, oh, and I started excusing me. Like, oh, I guess, you know, I guess that's just how it is out here away from church and in the world. And, oh, he's got a porn problem. Oh, I get, well, I guess that's what they do. He says that there's no man out there that doesn't. And I'm like, I guess I, well, I, I knew that my husband hadn't, but, you know, um, but I just start, you just start to fall into this and, and just start feeling like you need to accept all these things because this is where you are now. Yeah. Justifying all that, all that sin was easy after, after going that direction. Right. Yeah. Right. And he had a really good way of making me feel like everything was my fault, you know, he, you know, he, he didn't work. He didn't hold down a job. He, I, I was working at 1.80 hours a week and he would not work at all, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to save the house, save the family, save, just I'm working, working, working. And I don't see everything that's going on because he's the one that's home and, and I just wasn't seeing everything that was going on. Yeah. But tell us like the state of your heart, like how that's going. And then. How'd you get out of that? Well, it is, I think it, after living with this for so long, um, I, you know, I, I take an equity out of my home to invest in lawn equipment because he wanted to have a lawn business. I thought, Oh good. We'll finally get him working and all that. And, you know, if it, that was a disaster, he would say he went to do things and I'd go to build them. And then they'd say he wasn't here or, you know, that that kind of thing. It was it was just a disaster the whole way. And then um one day I came home from work and um realized that the lawn equipment wasn't there and I don't know how long I was that I didn't notice it, but he had sold it and you know, I had taken out loans on my home to pay for this stuff and he felt like he it, it was his to sell and <laughs> so I, I ended up in a lot of debt. Um, I had owned my home outright because um, when this all happened, my incredibly sweet and generous mother didn't want me to be burdened at that time. And she, I, we were renting the house from her and she signed the house over to me and gave me the house. So I owned this house. Wow. That, and Rhonda, um, that, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't let that go by. Like that is just such an amazing um, yeah, it was gift. an incredible gift at a at a really terrible time when everyone else was yeah, you know, really um, <laughs> judging me. It felt like right. um, my mom came out with this gift, like I want you to have a home, and I don't want you to worry about that. So she she gave me the home. She did, and over the next period of a few years, um, you know, I started creating some debt because when you live with a drug addict, this is what happens, yep. <laughs> and. Um, 
over the course of the next eight years, I, I incurred um, $190,000 loan on my house. And, you know, that sounds like an awful lot of money. There was probably $50,000 in lawn equipment. Um, there, there was cash taken out to take care, care of some of the house's problems, you know, like a roof and those kind of things. But, sure. um, yeah, so I've got this loan on the house. I didn't tell my mom because I was too embarrassed that here she gave me this beautiful gift. And all I did was borrow on it. Um, so she didn't know about that. So I'm keeping that a secret. I'm keeping that in. I'm working, 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 and I to pay for the mortgage. And then, you know, I'm, I think my mom probably, um, thought, I don't know what she thought, <laughs> like why I had to work so much. I don't think, she, you know, but she could do the math that I'm working more than what I should need to work. And so it was, it was all kind of a mystery, I think for her and, um, the relationship is going south. Um, yeah, there's just so much that went into that and his family and, and everything. Um, um, so I started feeling, it just started boiling. Like, I just don't know that I can live <laughs> this, you know? And my son, Joe, at the time was in sixth grade and he had been attending a youth group and the, youth leader was moving away. So he kind of wanted to go try the youth group at South and at South fellowship. Mm -hmm. And so we all decided to go to church, my mom and I and the boys and um, let him go visit the youth group. And, and we went to church for the first time that day. I, I had been to other churches, you know, for like a Christmas Eve service or, you know, a few things like that, but I had not attended church regularly at all this whole time. And it had been a period of about eight years at this point. When was that? That was um, October of 2015, two years ago. Okay. A little so, over two years so ago. So that's, that's like, so you said that's like eight years after the, all of the, everything else went down. Right. Well, I'm cur- I'm so right. curious. What did you find at South? Because, so obviously we, we go both go to this church and that's how we met. Um, but what, what uh-huh. was that experience like? I'm just curious. I just walked in. I, I was really afraid of being recognized still. Um, you know, I, it's just a fear I had. I, I, you know, didn't want to run into people in grocery stores and especially in church. And I sat down and somebody that had gone to Mountain View sits right next to me. <laughs> oh, wow. God was not going to let you hide. She, she smiled at me, you know, and she looked very welcoming. and um. I knew I knew her. I didn't know she knew. It. I don't know if she remembered me or not, but <laughs> I just smiled back and <laughs> it left it at that. But um, the music began that day. And I remember, um, I don't remember what songs they were or anything at that point, but it was the first time I'd really sat in worship um, in all those years. And I just bawled. I just bawled. Wow. You know. Yeah. What what was it, it what was it that really hit you? It's hard to define, but I think that um I think I knew that that I was coming back. Hmm. And I think I could 
I felt like I was, I was turning around, like I'm not running this way, but I'm turning and looking this way. Yeah. And I think I could feel the pull. I could feel, you know, the pull of the Holy Spirit. And I didn't feel like it was a place that was going to judge me. Mm. And I don't know if I would have felt that earlier or if it was just the place where I had finally come in my own life. Um, but it set me on a new path. Um, I attended for, I, we started coming, I, I worked at that time every other Sunday. So I came every other Sunday that I could, um, cause I worked with a sweet lady, um, every other weekend. And, um, um, Ryan's sermons were so on point <laughs> yeah. and I felt like he had, you know, had written them just directly to me. <laughs> Wow, And I just, I just, I just felt, it's hard to explain. It wasn't like an immediate, I'm back. I'm, you know, it it just was a pull. It was, I I felt totally pulled. Um, And, and my home life and everything was going so badly. So that was in October. And then um, by February, um, I, that's <laughs> kind of a funny story. I was sitting on my couch late at night, eleven o'clock, kind of lamenting my situation, and an email came out from from South, and it was just kind of a general, you know, what's going on type deal. And I thought, you know, I just maybe I just need to reach out. And so I I I emailed back that email, and I thought, you know, it's just a church email. It's going to go to the church office. Um, you know, maybe the secretary will find something tomorrow and it's 11 at night. And I just said, is there a private email that, that, um, that I can reach someone privately? And it was within minutes that pastor Ryan emailed me back and, and, and said, this is a private email. This is, this is pastor Ryan, you know, what's going on. (laughs) And that kind of blew me away that he's going to answer at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. And I just kind of spilled that I have no idea. How, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. And I, I don't know how to get out. And he said, well, you know, he, the first thing he, he said was, you know, um, he, he spelled out the grace of, of the grace. He offered grace to me before he even knew what I had done or who I was. And, um, and he said, let's, you know, let's get together and talk. And so we did, we set up a meeting and I had never spilled this story to anybody, <laughs> you know, in the church or really anyone. And so yeah. I went to, I went to meet with him and, um, I think it was the, the next week. And I just remember just feeling such dread walking down the hall to his office. Like I almost turned and ran, but <laughs> he's got a really good way about him that puts you at ease. And, um, I sat in his office for the next hour and spilled this whole story. And I mean, I can't imagine what he must've thought, you know, being a pastor and <laughs> yeah. to have this, you know, happen <laughs> in, on your staff. must. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that part of the story. Yeah. Okay. So he shared, he shared grace with you. So what are the observations? Immediately. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's one of the reasons. I don't know if Ryan listens, but that's one of the reasons I love Ryan. Um, yeah. But I love it about God too, right? Because absolutely. I like. I just heard in you. You said something really awesome when you said, "Um, you know, this was the first time that I turned around. I stopped running and I turned around, and yeah. I, I." kind of looked like looked at God again. And here's the reality. The Holy spirit was calling you that entire time. And right. I'm, I'm sure if we, if I, you know, we wanted to take the time to go into it, you could point to moments during that eight years where you knew God was calling you. And you said you've been to church a few times. Whatever. You know, I, I, it's funny because the whole time I knew, I knew God, I knew God loved me. I knew God wanted me back. I knew he wanted me in the, in safety with him. And it was me. It was me. I, I was feeling too shamed. I was feeling too guilty. I couldn't go back the whole time. In all those eight years, I would pray when I could pray for somebody else. You know, my, my two daughters were in the Joplin tornado and buried, you know, for hours in that. And I prayed, for them. And I, I would pray for Brian, you know, you know, please help this relationship. Don't you, don't you want to bring beauty from ashes? You know, don't you want to heal this and make, make, you know, bring him to you? Don't you, you know, I would pray on behalf of other people. I would never ask anything to myself because I didn't feel like I deserved it. Yeah. Wow. So, tell, so well, tell me about, and I, I hear you, I hear your tears there. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's just, a, it was just, I, I realized coming back to the church and feeling grace and being accepted. And I realized that the only pointing finger was my own, you know, through the, the careful thoughts of, of an enemy. Yeah. So, so first of all, I just love, like, I, obviously, you know, I don't love what you went through. I don't, you know, that's sounds, what I did. Or, yeah. I mean, it sounds very painful yeah. and, uh, if, on multiple fronts. Um, but man, your story is such a tremendous example of the grace of God that, yeah, that we can never go so far. We can, we can never go too far that he still loves us and wants right. us back. And I just, I, so thank you for your testimony in that. How, so, so was it that meeting with Ryan when you really just came to terms with that? And, and kind of accepted I think Ryan stuff? listened to all this and I think he was kind of just like, wow, wow, I, I can't fix this. <laughs> you know, just, uh-huh. This isn't going to get fixed today. <laughs> but he gave me one thing that I could do. And he said, I think what you need to do is tell your mom about the house. Tell your mom, quit lying to your mom and tell your mom. Mm. And I thought, ouch, I don't want to do that. And I walked out of there thinking, I don't know if I can do that. But within the next hour, it was already becoming a burning desire to get that off my chest. Yeah. Um, and so I was able to follow through and do that. And I was so worried about what my mom would say. And I received s- such huge grace from my mom. She just was like, oh, thank God. I thought you were on drugs or something. <laughs> she, she was glad all it is. <laughs> wow. All this I had kept, you know, from her out of fear of her thinking that I didn't treat her gift as I should have, 
you know, and she just complete forgiveness right away. Oh, wow. Sometimes the burdens that we carry are needless. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. How true. Oh, that's, so, that's amazing. Um, at that point, that's, th- that was in uh, February. And then at that point, um, when I, when I would go to church, I started to feel the need to sing again. I had not sung, um, for, for years and all these years I hadn't sung, you know, maybe a little bit of karaoke, you know, <laughs> once or twice a year, but I had not sung. I had not, um, I had not sung to God. I had not released, you know, my emotion that I felt to God. And so I was afraid of singing loud, you know, without, with people in front of me, I didn't want to be a distraction. So what I began to do was to move to the front of the church. I began sitting in the front, uh, the second row, actually not the front row, because um, it was well-planned because it gave me a chair to hold on to because I sometimes get dizzy when I close my eyes. <laughs> so I had the chair in front of me and, and I could sing into speakers and noise and just all that noise coming off the stage. And I didn't have to be heard by anyone, but God, I just wanted to sing to God. And I did that for months. Wow. And, um, yeah. And that just, it, it just, it was very cathartic, you know, just coming back and just, um, and it, and it took until, um, the end of June and I, I finally ended that relationship and I found out <laughs> in the process of ending that relationship about the drug problem. Um, he had pretty much lived in the garage. He had the only key, he had changed the locks. And, um, so when, when he went away, I broke into my garage and I found, you know, crack pipes and things that I wasn't even sure what they were. And, uh, I found out that all that had been going on. And, um, I also found out through a neighbor that there was a woman that had been coming over to my house when I would work overnight and, um, that there was a, (laughs) an affair going on there. So I was on the other end this time and got to feel what that felt like. Um, but but through it all, I just started feeling relief, just relief, you know, um, to be getting out of that situation. Mm-hmm. And what happened with, I was worried about the drugs. I was worried about my son, you know, did he have to go visit him at that house where they'd be doing drugs? And what happened was he just, he just walked away. I, you know, I prayed to God, please don't let my son be in this environment. And his dad just walked away and I did not hear from, even hear from him for five months. So that gave me a good amount of time to just, um, to heal and to start building my life again with my boys and, um, you know, setting my house back to rights and just praising God for getting me out of that. Um, and I just started feeling really whole. I started losing a bunch of weight. Um, I'd lost 50 pounds, um, through that whole process. It was just, I was, I was just feeling like, I was back, you know? Yeah. I I hear freedom, like in all these different aspects of your life. Exactly. Yeah. Just, it it was so freeing. And, uh, and I, I was, you know, my son missed his dad and I had to, there's hard parts to that as well. And I had to, we had to explain, you know, 
drugs a little bit to him and just, you know, it just, it's never easy. It's, and, and, you know, I all, I'm always very aware that, you know, it's my initial actions through all of this that created all of this. Um, and so there's consequences, you know, to bear, Yeah. Um, you know, for my lifetime for, from that action, but there's also incredible joys yeah. that are, are coming yeah. out of it. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, and just, and, and being back with God and just feeling like I, the relief I feel, um, I don't think I will ever get in a relationship with God again that I just take for granted, you know, that he's there, that he loves me, I love him, but it's it, it's a palpable, <laughs> deep relationship, you know, and I know that I've just scratched the surface, and I just, I just want more. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I see that when you sing, because you sing on the, in the worship team now, and I see it, and I, I just think nothing is... Nothing leads me into worship more than a singer uh, or a, a musician who has just complete joy on their face as they're playing or singing or whatever they're doing, right? It just, and I see that in you all the time. Yeah. Every time you're up there, it, it 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 always it often moves me to tears. But um, I don't let anybody see that though, just for the record. Um, <laughs> but the, but I I love I love that. I just knowing your story. And how God has has worked, and, I, and you answered my question before I even got to ask it. I was going to ask, what's it like now? And you know, it sounds like you just you're in love with the Lord. You're intimate I am. with Him. I am, um, but also my life um, a year ago, last November, after I'd had this five months and I'd lost all this weight and I'd I'd been feeling strong and hear me roar and you know. Um, loving God. I, I, I hadn't sung yet. I still hadn't asked about being on the worship team. I didn't think that that was where I was going to go. I just, I was just loving being back with God, you know, being free to live, just free to live and just loving every minute of that. And then on November 2nd, um, a little over a year ago, I found out that my 22-year-old daughter um, passed away suddenly. And wow, you know, what a, what a blow. Yeah, well, no doubt. <laughs> what, a, what an unexpected blow. You feel like you've just come out of this horrible thing and you're finally on the path where you need to be. And you know, this trial that you grew in your body and your heart is just gone. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, you don't get to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it was, it, 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 it's a year later now and it's still the most incredibly painful thing. And this was a new test for my new relationship, <laughs> my new, deeper, stronger relationship with God. Um, it's a test every day. Um, you know, I, I wondered why did God let this happen now, you know, but then I think, what if he let it happen before? Wow. <laughs> you know, cause I don't know that I would have wanted to live had it happened before. Yeah. And your faith 
may not have survived. No. Is that what you think? I don't think so, no. So no. I, I'm just so grateful that God gave me that five months to just <laughs> grow in Him and, you know, deepen my relationship with Him before before this tragic loss. Yeah. Now, I remember you telling me a story, I think. You can correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, but that your daughter... Um, yeah. Is the one who'd encourage you to sing again? Yeah, her name was Molly. Yeah, Molly. Um, <laughs> Molly was just a really unique soul. She cared for other people so much. She was an encourager, um, and she she was an artist. And Molly somehow recognized how I missed singing, singing, and you know she she. She would go to karaoke with me on occasion. It's, I said I say that so much. It sounds like we did it all the time, but it was really like <laughs> twice a year. Right. But then we went to my brother's wedding um, it, the previous summer before she died, and she she sang and um, she blew us all away. We didn't know she could sing, and she came out and sang some Queen and <laughs> We'll Rock You and all that. And she, That's awesome. she, she she just stole the show, and um, it was awesome. But she. She did. She she nagged me constantly. Mom, are you singing again? Mom, you need to get singing. You know, Mom, why aren't you singing? It, it was it was a constant thing. And after she passed away, um, we found a will that Molly had written, and uh, she had written it after she survived the Joplin tornado. I, she was 16 years old when she survived that. Wow. And I think she felt that life was fragile, and she better write a will. So she wrote a will. And she willed, you know, her stuffed animals, her brothers, and all that kind of stuff. But mainly, what she just had something to say to the people in her life, and she just told me that, um, "Mom, you need to sing again." She said, "Just try singing." And I did not think I would ever be in front, you know, in a worship team, participating in that way again. Um, I just always told her, "No, Molly, that that, that that's past," you know. So. When when Molly passed away, um, I just felt like I needed to sing um, for Molly. Yeah. And so my daughter, my oldest daughter, Kira, who has a beautiful voice, um, and she's, she has a bachelor's of music and worship, um, um, we sing a duet together at my daughter's service, and I have... No, um, <laughs> I have no idea how we got through that, just except by the grace of God. Yeah. Um, but we sang um, a song from Molly's favorite musical, you know, for her favorite musical is Wicked. And we sang for good um, because I knew you, I have been changed for good. Oh. And um, we sang that. And after after that, it was about maybe two and a half months. And I, I felt like, I felt like I was being nudged by God to, um, to just ask about, um, singing occasionally on, on the worship team. And so I met with Ryan again and Ryan is always as full of grace and saw no reason that I, I couldn't speak to Aaron about it being where I am now. And, so I did, and I received 
grace from Aaron again after being telling him my whole story. And uh, I sang again for the first time on a worship team last February. And it has just been such a mm-hmm. blessing to me to get back to doing that. Yeah. Well, as as I said, I, I think that you bring so much joy to it that um, it is it is just something really beautiful to behold. And I think it speaks so much to the work of God in your life. Um, obviously, you have you have some painful things to go through, and losing losing a child is very hard. And um, you know, definitely, whenever I think of you, I, I pray for you in that. Um, right. Uh, but God just He lets you know that He's there. You know, it's it's amazing. What, he's got these ways. Well, share one of those ways with us. Like, what what's a way that God has reminded you in the middle of all this? Well, it's almost always through people. It's um, like just for instance, last week, um. I went to the chili cook-off and worship night at church. And, you know, I'm sitting in my normal second row spot. (laughs) And I had my son next to me and we're worshiping. And, but at that moment, for some reason, I was just feeling incredibly alone. Like, I don't, you know, I'm just so alone. And just missing my daughter a lot. And out of nowhere, you know, here comes, here comes Nicole from the back of the church and just comes up, puts her arm around me yeah, and just stands with me and we worship together. And, you know, she, she gives me a hug and just said, God told me that I needed to come and stand by you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I love that she was listening. That's awesome. That's great. I don't know. <laughs> well, she must've been. So that's that's fantastic. Yeah, that's good. God does use people, and uh, man, if we listen, yeah, my uh, boss at work has relentlessly, you know, pursued comforting me. Wow. <laughs> um, she just brought me a meal um, on the anniversary of of my daughter's passing. She remembered and she wanted to bring a meal, you know, and she checks in a lot, and you know, but I've definitely got issues to deal with um, the past year after, you know, I had my five months of <laughs> rock and roll. Um, I gained all that way back, you know, uh, just, you know, taking comfort in, in places that I should, you know, and I, I need to, I, I, I've got areas I've got to grow and that, you know, God's got to deal with me and I know that and I love for it. And, um, <laughs> But, but one thing that, you know, you realize when you lose a child, you realize that, you know, survival is possible. <laughs> you, you realize that the, the pain does not, um, it doesn't go away. It, it, it intensifies throughout the year. It, you, you start to miss them more the longer that you don't see them. Mm. But, but you realize that faith is a choice that you need to make every day. And you make that choice every day, and there is joy that comes. And I can't explain it because there's this sadness to my life. And I don't know how long, you know, I think I'll always feel it. Yeah. But I have joy. It's, it's, <laughs> it's so hard to explain that you're going to the deepest, darkest, you know, yeah. life changer <laughs> you've ever experienced. But you still have the joy 
you know, I have the joy of, you know, I will see her again. I will. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we see that kind of experience in the Psalms all over the place and in Lamentations and places like that where, hey, the world is not a, you know, it's a, it's a broken place. And yeah. we, you know, we feel, we feel that and death comes into our life and pain and sorrow come into our life, whether of our own making or not. And, uh, there is grace, uh, but we still feel, and we still long. That's why I love Romans eight. There's a, there's that part in there about the creation longing for redemption, you know, that we're just, we're longing for God to come and make everything right. Just as he promised. Yeah. And I think that's not just, uh, I think, I don't think you can understand it, I guess, until you've experienced some things, until you, until you really have that deep heart pain, even, um, and can take it to the Lord. So um, at least that's yeah. been my experience. It sounds like maybe it's been yours. Absolutely. Um, is there anything you want to say to people who may be listening to your story that, they could take away from, from what God's done in your life? Uh, I don't, I don't know if there's anyone out there that did exactly what I did. I don't think so. Sure. But, um, (laughs) but I know that what I experienced with the shame and the guilt is a very common theme that people go through. And I, I spent eight years wrestling with this and um, fearful, you know, in, in judgment of myself and, you know, afraid, afraid to, to go back, afraid to turn around. And all I can say is that it, it, it surprised me how easy it was to do Hmm. when I finally did it. It just, I was just kicking myself. Like, why did I spend all these years? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to close out with this. Um, since I mentioned Romans eight, this is probably my favorite passage and I think it speaks into, into this. We all know the verse, you know, that we're more than conquerors. Um, but there's this context here. What should we say then in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. And how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Now, this is the part I, I love, that I, that what you said sparked to me to make me want to look it up. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? And the structure in that verse is, is a question that demands an answer, and it demands a certain kind of answer. It's a rhetorical question. Some translations will put it, the answer in there. They'll say, no one, right? Who who will bring a charge mm-hmm. against those who God has chosen? No one. It's God who justifies. Who is it then that condemns? No one. Jesus Christ, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is in also interceding for us. And then there's the whole part about what shall separate us from the love of Christ. Yeah. Um, but I love that. If God is for us, who can be against us? That's right. But if who can condemn us? And the answer is, no one, because God doesn't condemn us. And that means, you know, it, our parents can't condemn us. Our church can't condemn us. We can't even condemn ourselves because God is for us. And uh, and Jesus has died for us to cover all of that. 
and bring us to God. So anyway, what well, Rhonda, thank you so much. I, I love that. I think you are a splendid and beautiful example of this very thing uh, that we're talking about in Romans 8 and the grace of God. And, and you know what? I know that you have, you have a long ways to go in terms of, you know, walking through grief and, uh, and finding God intimate in those times. And I'm, I'll be praying for you that you, you do. I know that you will because that's who he is. That's what he wants for you. Right. But, I know he will too. But thank you for sharing your story. I'm, I'm just deeply touched by it. <laughs> You're sure welcome. Mm-hmm.